back to another episode of independent thought my name is desmond price for those of you who are checking out the podcast for your first time welcome to the show if you are a subscriber welcome back and thank you for subscribing and being here each and every week there are quite a few of you i appreciate the fact that you are constantly coming back to hear my rants about what's going on in the world and that is what today is going to be because let's face it, when it comes to the news, we need to talk about the fact that the Supreme Court just overturned Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of other things that are going on in the world right now. Very true. But this is what needs to be discussed. Obviously, it is the biggest issue going on in the world right now. Well, going on in our world, in America right now. The Supreme Court has, in fact, ruled in a six to three manner to overturn Roe bringing us back to where we were at in the year 1972. And now abortion is a matter that is left to the states. And states have subsequently gone ahead and banned it immediately. Uh, These states include Kentucky, Louisiana, South Dakota, Idaho, Tennessee, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, North Dakota, Utah, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Alabama, Missouri, and Ohio. I think some of these states I just mentioned, their laws are going to kick in within the next like 30 days. Uh, Most of these have already gone into effect though. And the states of Iowa, Indiana, West Virginia, Georgia, and South Carolina are all likely to go into effect before the summer is over. So it would seem as though almost half the country just lost their ability to get an abortion if they need one. And, you know, before I get into the specifics of what this episode is going to be focused on, let me just talk about really quickly what this episode is not going to be about. I am not going to go through and talk about how exactly we got here, the, all the, the cases themselves of Roe and of, you know, plan Planned Parenthood v. Casey or talking about, what exactly the mood in the country was in the seventies before, you know, it was first enacted or how it was a seven to two decision at the time with most of them being appointed by Republican justices. We're not going to talk about what are the obvious pushbacks to all the reasons why abortion should be okay and why it should be legal. Not going to talk about that either, because let's be fair. We've all been chronically online. We've all been on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you don't need me to tell you the things you already know. You you just really don't. And I'm also not going to go into who this affects the most because we know who this affects the most. You know, people, poor people are going to be affected the most by this. You know, particularly, I know that, you know, Black people in particular, they're going to have higher rates of of mortality when it comes to these issues. So I'm not going to go into that realm either. Because again, these are all things that everyone else is saying. And when I was trying to figure out 
what my role was for this episode, where, where my lane was, like what path could I carve myself out for? Typically, when you come to independent thought, I'm always talking about random statistics, random things in the news. Let me give you a piece of information you might not have had before. Not this time. No, that's not, that's not the best place for me to fit in. That's not my niche today. Today, it's about strategy. What do we do next? Where do we go from here? How do we channel our energy? What is it that we are going to do now that this has happened? Because millions of people have are pissed the fuck off and they have no idea what to do with that anger. So let's talk about it. As we already stated, these bans are taking place immediately in a lot of places. They're going to take place in more places. This is, it's hard for me to, I mean, I know that we saw the, the leak draft about six weeks ago and we all kind of knew this was coming, but even though it's officially happened now, this is still hard for me to believe that it's actually happening, but this is the reality that we're in. I was very encouraged to see people demonstrating here in my town of Missoula, Montana at the courthouse, uh, doing demonstrations, walking through downtown Missoula. We're going to get to more of that in the later parts of the episode. First, I want to talk about the response from the Democrats. We're going to talk about the Democrats and the Republicans in this episode. But first, I want to talk about the Democrats. We got to focus on them for a second because it's very important to talk about how they're framing this conversation. And it's going to seem that I'm bashing them right now, but there's a very distinct reason for that. So just give me a second to breathe with this one. If you're feeling like I'm being a little too hard on them, I promise it's going to make sense here towards the end. Because in my mind, they have been dragging their feet with this issue for a long time. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard that back in 2009, President Obama, in fact, had a supermajority in the Senate and said during the in during his campaign trail in 2007 that he would codify Roe into law. He did, in fact, say that he did, in fact, have a supermajority. And he also did, in fact, say in it was either March or April of 2009, a few months into his first term, that it was no longer uh, high on his legislative uh, priority list, as I think is how he phrased it. So whatever the case may be, some people pointed out that, you know, even though there were a supermajority of Democratic senators, some of them were still pro-life. And so it wasn't as straightforward as you would think, blah, 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 blah. Point is, he didn't try. He didn't try. That's a problem. So I've kind of been a little upset seeing, you know, like him come out recently and talk about how devastating this is given the fact that he himself did not put forth a honest effort into preventing this from happening while he was the president of the United States. But speaking about the president of the United States, let's talk about the current one. Joe Biden said on the campaign trail several times that he would in fact codify Roe into law. He would take what the standard was nationally and make sure it was enshrined into law so that we no had to no longer had to worry about what the Supreme Court was going to do. He said this in October of 2019. He said it again in June of 2020. Now, in fact, I think if we look really quickly here, I even have his exact tweet. He said today's decision reaffirmed that states put states cannot put in place laws that unduly burden a woman's right to make her own health care decisions, but the fight isn't over. 
as president, I will codify Roe v. Wade and protect a woman's constitutional right to choose. He said this on June 29th, 2020. So let's talk about this. President Biden said that he would codify it into law. Let's just break it down for those who were unaware. What does that actually look like? What would it take in order for Roe to be codified into law? Because there's a couple of different pathways this can go. But, you know, in my mind, there's only really one answer. But, let, but let's talk about what both options are, because that is important. So first of all, Congress must pass a law that would work the same way that Roe did, establishing, you know, the right to have abortion access nationally. Now, the House would need to pass this, and they could pass it by a simple majority, because that's how things work in the House. It just makes more sense this way. But you would need 60 votes to be for it to pass through the Senate. And so for those of you who are wondering in the past, there have been certain things that only needed 50 votes to pass in the Senate. Now, those things were done under what was called budget reconciliation. And so in those specific moments, you can pass things with only 50 votes, but that only applies if something directly affects a budget, which this does not. So it doesn't fall into that category. So which means you have to pass it through what is known as regular order. I hope I'm not losing anybody here. The short version is you need 60 votes in the Senate in order to make sure that Roe is codified into law, 60. The only way that you can get this to pass through the Senate without 60 votes would be if you were to get rid of the filibuster. The filibuster is what's currently in place that's making it a 60 vote threshold versus a 50 plus one threshold. Because you would, if you have a tie in the Senate, the tiebreaker goes to the vice president, therefore getting 50 votes while the Democrats are in power is all you need in this scenario where there's no filibuster. So these are your two choices. You either get rid of the filibuster and then you can pass this law and codify Roe into law with 50 votes, or you have to find 10 Republicans, 10 Republicans in the Senate who will vote with you to codify Roe into law. We just, let me just stop for one second here. In your mind, as you're listening to this right now, what is more likely? Honestly, ask yourself that question. What is more likely? Do you believe that you're going to find 10 Republicans in the Senate to codify Roe into law. Because, because, you know, some people say that, you know, like that, that's somehow possible, that's somehow feasible. And, and to be frank, we're going to get into this later. That is the strategy currently. That, that is the strategy currently for the Democrats. That's what they want to do. But, you know, some of them are also saying, well, you know, like what you really need to do is just get out there and make sure that you vote this November. You got to make sure that you vote because we need you in order to you know, make sure the Democrats main, you know, maintain control. And, and that's a key point there, maintain control, because they already have control. They have control of the House. They have control of the Senate. The Senate majority leader's name is Chuck Schumer, not Mitch McConnell. But let's talk about November a little bit really quickly here, because this is something that I think is incredibly important for those of you who are going to be gaslit over the next few months about the elections in November. 
They're going to keep telling you that Roe is on the ballot, that reproductive rights is on the ballot, that the ability to access an abortion is on the ballot. Let's talk about what the ballot looks like, okay? So currently, when we're talking about the ballot, you know, obviously, there's the one aspect of maintaining control in the House. Okay, you have a majority in, if you have more representatives, you're good to go. All you need is a simple majority in the House. Again, in the Senate, you would need 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. Currently, according to most polls, there are 48 safe or likely seats for Democrats coming out of this uh, November election and 47 safe or likely seats for Republicans with there being five toss-ups. So let's play the math really quickly here, all right? The five toss-ups are in the states of Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Let's just say for funsies that the Democrats actually win all five of these states. That gives them 53. There are other states that are kind of leaning red. These states are Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, and they say Missouri, but I'll believe a Democrat wins Missouri when I see it. Um, I mean, Claire McCaskill isn't coming back anytime soon as far as I'm concerned. So that, that feels strange. Uh, but, you know, let's just say that they win those four as well. They're then at 57. That's still not 60. And that's if they have their best case scenario. You would still need three Republicans to vote with you. And that's under their best case scenario. Now, going into the Supreme Court ruling, the Democrats were being crushed in the polls. It was predicted that they might lose 50 seats in the House, and they might lose every single one of these toss-up uh, toss states in the Senate. So the likelihood of this actually happening is honestly is, is baffling to me. But even in their best case scenario, it does not look likely. And let's just call it for what it is right now. Even under their best case scenario, the situation looks no different than it does today. The Democrats would have the House, they'd have the White House, and they would have a majority in the Senate that wasn't filibuster proof. They would be in the same scenario that they're in now. And so the reason behind waiting does not make sense. The, the time really is now. The best chance scenario is right now because there's no guarantee that things are going to go your way in November, even if you just vote your heart out. They might lose the Senate and they might lose the House. And then, and then what? And then, and then what? Why not try to go after right now? If they just eliminated the filibuster, they would have the votes right now. Why would they even chance it? Like, what was the point? In your best case scenario, you don't get past 60. So what is the point of waiting? Let me be clear about this. Like, there is no chance of them getting above 60 votes in the Senate come this November. So them telling you just to vote, vote, vote does not change the amount of power that they have today. So the real question is, you know, if they aren't acting now, why? Why aren't they acting right now? Let's talk about that after we come back from a quick break. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana, that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. 
We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at BathingBeautiesBeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So I have to say, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets a lot of crap from people, both on the left and the right for a variety of issues. However, with that being said, this is an incredibly bright person, and I definitely enjoy listening to her commentary on just assessing what's happening in our government for a variety of different reasons. But one of the things I saw her post on Twitter just over the weekend was, it was actually a retweet of two people who were speaking at a rally uh, I, I'm not sure what state it was in, but one of them was asked why they were upset with the Democrats for a fundraising email that they received. I want to play that this clip for you really quickly so you can hear what was said in this interview. And I apologize if the volume's a little off. This was the best version of this video I could find. So you might have to turn it up a, a notch or two. Here's the clip. So talk to me first about why it is you wanted to come out here today, because something that struck me um, was when you were speaking earlier and you mentioned your anger because you had received a text message from the Biden campaign. Why is that? Um, so I received a text message from Joe Biden's campaign yesterday saying that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade and that it was my responsibility to then rush $15 to the Democratic National Party. Um, and I thought that was absolutely outrageous because my rights should not be a fundraising point for them um, or a campaigning point. Uh, they have had multiple opportunities to codify Roe into law over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they haven't done it. And if they're going to keep campaigning on this point, they should actually do something about it. Oh, young people, they just they just don't seem to get the fact that what people campaign on and what they fundraise on, that those are just words. They, they don't actually mean that. You can't hold them accountable for that. I, you know, I've actually heard people say things like this before, say things that you can't actually 
take seriously what politicians say while they're campaigning because you know what they say when they're campaigning that's just what they're saying you know that's their messaging you can't hold them accountable if they're not actually getting things done which seems very odd because now they're also out there campaigning talking about the importance of voting for them so they can get the things done that they say they want to get done but then we also aren't supposed to take them seriously when they're campaigning. It, it's a whole mess. Probably best not to think about it, right? Here, again, let's get back to the reality for a second. We currently have two options in order to get Roe passed into law. The House will take care of itself. Have a majority, good to go. Having a majority in the Senate, not good to go, unfortunately, because you need to abolish the filibuster. And if I sound like a broken record, Honestly, you know, it. I just really need to drive this point home. It is the biggest tool of obstruction that is keeping this from becoming a reality. It's either this or, or find a way to convince 10 Republicans to vote with you, which, again, ridiculous. Let's talk about that. Even on your best day, you still need to get several Republicans to vote with you. And that's if you crush it in November, you're still at their mercy. Now, Senators Manchin and Cinema. I'm sure plenty of you are probably thinking about this right now. They have come out and said that they are against abolishing the filibuster. They are Democrats. They have been basically the biggest obstructionists for getting anything done during the Biden administration. They have tanked almost every attempt at legislation that Biden has put forth, including his entire Build Back Better agenda. But he doesn't seem to be too upset about any of this or at least it doesn't seem that way. And even though the filibuster is obviously the answer into getting around this current problem of people not having rights anymore, the president seems unfazed. Speaking on Air Force One, Biden's press secretary, apologies, I'm forgetting her name at the moment, said that the president does not agree with eliminating the filibuster. Okay. Again, there are only two options. And I'm not sure why this is something that certain people want to protect. Bernie Sanders has called for the abolishment of the filibuster. So has Elizabeth Warren. So have several other people. Pete Buttigieg called for the abolition of it while he was on the campaign trail. So did Kamala Harris, who is now the vice president of the United States. What I do not understand. What I do not understand is how protecting this archaic rule is somehow more important to people than protecting people who are vulnerable right now or delivering on promises that you made. How is it that we're supposed to take the Democrats seriously when they say they want that this is an existential threat, that people are going to die, that these things are all going to happen? That, you know, like everyone's lives are at stake, that we need to fundraise and donate money to them and vote for them in November, come out in force, protest, all of this. They want us to do all of these things. They have to do one thing in return and they won't fucking do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. You tell me what's actually important here, because apparently keeping this one rule intact is more important to them than actually delivering on the promises that they tell us we need on an existential level. So again, 
two options, filibuster or 10 Republicans. Okay. And let's not pretend that this filibuster is somehow a rule that, you know, that, <laughs> that is unheard of to actually scrap a rule like this. In fact, the, the House of Representatives had a similar rule back in, I mean, up until the late 1880s, but it was scrapped because it was obstructing too much progress. There was also a similar rule in the Senate to appoint Supreme Court justices. You had to have 60 votes in order to appoint a Supreme Court justice. They got rid of that in 2013. And you know who did it? The Democrats. They got rid of it in 2013. That is why Mitch McConnell was able to appoint Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett with simple majorities in 2017, 2018, and 2020. So it, when the Republicans had this power, they weaponized it. They used it. They didn't think twice about it. They weren't like, oh, we need to have bipartisan support. We, we can only make sure that our Supreme Court justices get confirmed if we have Democrat support. They were like, no, we're just going to get this done because we want to get this done. And, and so the fact that Biden seems to be essentially just stuck in fear or maybe it's not fear. Maybe he just doesn't care the way he says he does. E either way, your actions are speaking louder to, than words to me. Because, you know, here's the thing. The GOP, for those who might not be aware, which I'm sure we all are at this moment, they have no intention of backing down from this moment. Let's talk about what it took to actually get here. They have been funding think tanks. They have been establishing people on the state level they have been you know like donating money to you know organizations to put this all in place propping up candidates who would promise to you know like vote on behalf of this they have been going after this one goal for decades they've been going after this for decades and the naivete to think that you're actually going to convince any of them I mean, maybe you might get one or two, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, maybe, maybe. But to the fact that you think that you might get more than two Republicans at all who would vote with the Democrats to codify Roe, you're lying to yourself. They've been dreaming about this for years, and they finally have done their pet project that they've been working on for decades. There's no chance the Republicans are ever going to vote with Republicans to establish a law that would counteract the thing they've been trying to do for years and they finally succeeded in doing. Like You are lying to yourself. And, and so I don't know what the plan is here. The GOP, who likes to refer to themselves as pro-life, I like to vote, I like to refer to them as anti-bodily autonomy party. You know, that they claim to be pro-life, but this, this, is, this is just not true. This is not true. These are people who are pro-death penalty, they're anti-child tax credit, anti-universal health care, they're anti-food stamps, they're anti-any assistance for the homeless, anti-any drug addiction funding, anti-any child care spending, anti-universal pre-K, anti-education like, funding in general. I mean, I don't really need to go on about this. These are people who aren't really pro-life. They're just pro-force birth. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard this recently, but that's really what it is. The second that you leave the womb, you're not only on your own, they're trying to cut out every single social like, safety network program that we currently have anyway. So it is beyond me 
that the Democrats could look us straight in the face and say, yeah, we're going to get some of these people to work with us to actually codify Roe. You're lying to yourselves. Like truly, you know, this is, these are people who do not see any value in life after you leave the womb. Like it's basically, if you're not rich, well, you're fucked because we have no absolute desire whatsoever to help anybody with government aid. The end, well, other than corporations, if, if we're being fair here for a moment. But, you know, that, that's, that's really where we're at right now. And, and I'm not even going to get into the fact of, you know, like, obviously, you know, we had Uvalde happen. We had what happened in Buffalo. So I'm not, obviously, I've already talked about that. And what I felt like was the indifference, maybe, you know, callousness that came with people who are Republicans when it came to the, how they wouldn't even give an inch on any gun laws. You know, like, they are willing to let any amount of people die and they still not give an inch on gun laws, but again, the pro-life party. So for the GOP, this has been a culmination of decades of work rooted in Christian beliefs for quite a few of them. How many, I don't know. It's hard to say how many strongly, deeply rooted fundamental Christians, you know, are in the GOP. I'm not going to give an approximation of what that is, but that's really what this comes down to, why this has been put into place. Because, you know, if we're, if we're talking about this and we're being honest with each other, there is no scientific evidence that points to when life begins other than a child exiting a womb. When it comes to a child being inside of a parent, there is no, consist there is no consensus on when quote unquote life begins because some of these people believe that life begins at conception therefore they have to out they have to outlaw abortion and, and so it's it is some of these christian fundamentalists who are a part of the republican party who now feel as though you know they have to put into motion the state weaponizing power across the board in fact let me play a quick clip for you for from a person named Jackie Eubank. She's a state representative in the state of Michigan. She's endorsed by Trump. Let's hear her talk about this issue particularly. Here's the clip. You know, they're saying they're coming after your, your gay marriage next. They're coming after your birth control after that and everything else. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. So we need to um, make a plain statement of fact, which is the reason why the West is great is because Western civilization's underpinning is Christianity. You cannot have a successful society outside of the Christian moral order. And things like abortion and things like gay marriage are outside of the Christian moral order, and they lead to chaos and destruction and a culture of death, which is why we're seeing that today. We have abandoned the Christian moral or order as a nation, and we are reaping um, that destruction. I think that people believe that birth control is it's better like you said because oh then you won't get pregnant and you won't need to have an abortion but i think that it gives people the false sense of security that they can have consequence free sex so again i don't know how many people who are in the republican party feel the way that she feels i don't know but what i do know is that there's enough of them in order for there to be a consensus on the right that overturning Roe and allowing states 
to take rights from people is completely fine. In fact, some of them don't even think it's rights at all. They think unless you were given something in the Constitution, it's not a right, which is an odd place to be at, seeing as how I'm sure that none of them have a problem with police having qualified immunity, something that's also not granted in the Constitution, but that's a different conversation, obviously. My point is, again, there is no scientific consensus for life beginning any time other than leaving the womb. And with that being said, this is an argument completely rooted in religion. It is completely rooted in your faith. People on the right in the Republican Party who are Christians have taken this opportunity to flex state power in order to reaffirm what they believe as Christians. I grew up as a Christian. I read a Bible multiple times a week. I would read a children's Bible before going to sleep. I would go to church on Sundays with my mom, sometimes with my grandmother. Went to Sunday school, Catholic. I would sit and read the Bible with my grandfather sometimes. I grew up in this religion. I understand what the text says. I understand it completely. Here's the deal. If the Constitution is this sacred document that you claim that it is, you can't just parse parts of it and talk about parts that you like and parts that you just ignore. The founding fathers are talked about almost as if they're like apostles of Jesus. That's how they're revered in this country. These men from the 1700s and their infinite wisdom. Let's talk about their infinite wisdom. One of the things that they put into the sacred text was a separation of church from state. And while this isn't a direct church and state, it basically church and state issue, it basically is. There is no consensus about life beginning at conception, yet you use that as a justification in order to have these states around the country ban abortion. So now you are banning a medical procedure from people based on your religious beliefs, and you don't see an issue with that. You don't see an issue with that whatsoever. This is coming from the same people who absolutely decried the idea of tyranny when the federal government was issuing several different orders during the height of the pandemic, lockdowns, vaccine mandates, so on and so forth, decrying tyranny. How dare they? Who do they think they are? Government should be doing less and less. They should be staying out of our lives. They shouldn't be a part of our lives. It's all bullshit because obviously the Republican Party has no problem with the government being a part of people's lives. They have no problem with the government flexing its power. They have no problem with it telling people how to live their lives. They only have a problem with it when it goes against what they want. If it's in favor of things they like, then the government can flex all day because not only are they okay with that, but now the Republicans are talking about coming after gay marriage. Marriage something that has literally no effect on anything. Even if you had a leg to stand on with the abortion arguments about 
killing children, which again, I think is ridiculous because you're using your own religious beliefs to determine what is a child. Gay marriage is something that Justice Clarence Thomas says that he thinks that they need to revisit, as well as contraception. Now they want to come after birth control. If you're so upset about abortions, why the fuck would you come after contraception? Isn't that preventing abortions? I... The obviousness of the truth, again, that these people are flexing the state power based on their religious beliefs. And what drives me insane is that the Democrats, headed by our president, Joe Biden, believes that we don't need to get rid of the filibuster. So in his mind, he knows that the only other option is to get a 60 vote threshold. He believes that he's going to find enough of these people in the Republican Party in order to come to their senses and somehow vote with the Democrats to codify Roe into law. I don't see it. I don't see it. Here, here's the last thing I'm going to say about this before we go to our before we go to our last break. If you are a Christian, you're listening to this. Again, I grew up a Christian. I have my family, all Christian, dad's side, mom's side. I, I, I understand how people feel being a part of that faith. And you have every right as a member of that faith to not get an abortion. And you have every right to not take birth control if you don't want to. You have every right to do that. If your faith tells you that abortion is immoral, then don't have one. But you should not have the fucking right to weaponize your faith in order to subjugate other people. And the fact that there are so many people in this country who believe that they have this unlimited moral authority in order to do this, it's destructive. It's absolutely destructive. And somehow I'm sure that they'll still try to find a way to make them seem like the victims in all of this. When people start protesting, when people get into the streets, when people get angry, you can't take people's rights away from them and then be surprised when they fight back. We're going to be right back after this break. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sticking with me through this final break of independent thought. Look, everyone, this all comes down to outcomes for me. You know, we can talk about how fucked up the Republicans are. We can talk about Democrats in action. This comes down to outcomes. How do we get from where we are to where we want to be? How do we get from Roe being law? And uh, you've heard me say the filibuster again and again and again and again. I hope that it's drilled in because the point that needs to happen next there's a lot of different things that need to happen next, but let me just give you some of them. All right, because at the end of the day, in my humble opinion, finding enough Republicans to vote with Democrats in order to overcome a filibuster is akin to a Star Wars movie. It's fairy tales, okay? If I'm proven wrong, I will go on an apology tour for, for several episodes, but I don't see it. I, I, just, I just don't see it. It feels like fiction to me. So let's just talk about what's next. We need politicians 
who are Democrats in order to step up and put pressure on the Biden administration and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. To my knowledge, these are the three people who are against the filibuster being abolished. There is a term known as the bully pulpit. For those who are unfamiliar with it, it just means that it is you are in a public office or a position of authority that provides the occupant with outstanding opportunity to speak on an issue. Basically, in layman's terms, if you are in a prominent position, you have just uncommon, you know, like authority to speak based on the platform that you have given the office that you're holding. So I would love to see members of Congress, senators, candidates, Congress people coming out and basically saying as much. We have to get rid of this filibuster in order to protect people's lives. There's no fundamental good reason why we should allow this to stand when we are also saying at the same time that people are going to be hurt and they're going to die from this. And that's not even getting into how many like new children would end up being in the foster care system, which if you're not familiar with it, not exactly the place you want kids to be in. And they're not exactly being plucked out of there that often. And we also have problems with why we or how stringent it could be in the first place. That could be a whole other episode. We need people to speak up on this. Not only that, but we need people, us, us as individuals, as voters, as constituents, we have to ask this of people. I've seen candidates at protests over the weekend, not just here in Missoula, but all over the country at rallies, you know, obviously getting the chance in to show that they're an ally, showing that, you know, like they're there for the fight and all of that. And like, they believe in this moment. If they believe in this moment, I need to hear them saying something other than I need you to, to vote really hard in November. Because again, as we discussed, the situation in its best case scenario does not change from where it is right now. So all the voting in the world, all the fundraising in the world, these people need to just absolutely be honest with us and just, and just say it straight up. The situation can't get better than it is today. It can't. And so if this version of Congress is unwilling to act, the next version of Congress is unwilling to act. Now, to be fair, it can get worse. I'm not trying to tell people not to vote because if the Democrats do lose the Senate and the House, unfortunately, it can get worse because there's no guarantee that Mitch McConnell won't abolish the filibuster in order to pass a national ban on abortion. That's very possible. That is, in fact, incredibly possible. And I don't think anyone should rule it out. So for all my bashing of the Democrats right now, I don't want that to be confused with don't vote because as much as I'm pissed off about the situation, yes, it can, in fact, get worse. When it comes to protesting this issue, I also want to say that there needs to be a sustained effort in this. Protesting just this past weekend is a great start. But let's focus on the second word there, start, start. Do not let that be the last protest that you go to. Let's organize more. Let's show up to more. This is not a situation that's going to resolve itself 
within the next few weeks, probably not even the next few months. It's going to take a sustained pressure and a sustained effort. And they need to fucking hear from us. And in fact, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to do some strikes, maybe even to do some boycotts. Getting corporate America to also get on board with this wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, if we're being honest, they're the ones who truly have the most power in this country. So that is something that needs to be addressed. And and also, I would say that, you know, at the drop of a hat, Fox News is going to look for any kind of violence or or looting or whatever the case may be at any single protest across the country. And they're going to use that as a distraction and just some kind of just like BS, like as a way to paint the entire protest movement as violent and radical and so on and so forth. They did it in 2020. They will do it again. Because for those who might not be aware of all the protests that happened in 2020 in that summer, only 7% of them had any violence or rioting or looting or of any kind, 7% out of every single one that happened. But yet, when you think about that summer, I'm sure most, I'm sure a lot of people, especially on the right, would think about the, the riots, the, the looting, the burning buildings, 7%. 93%, nothing happened. Peaceful protests. So just be on the lookout for that when that eventually does happen. Because once one bad thing happens, they're going to paint the entire thing as just, you know, like, oh, people are radical. Look at what they're doing. You know, like this, that, and the third. Also, take some time to protect your mental health. Again, this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So take some days off if you need to. You don't have to be out there protesting every day. You don't have to be posting online about this every day. But please don't fall out of the fight because this is something, I mean, to be frank with everyone, you know, quite a few of these people, these politicians, they want people to eventually stop talking about this because some of them, and I'm not sure who is who, but some of them have no actual desire to do anything about this because let's be honest. They've make a lot of money off of fundraising off of these things. And you can't fundraise off of an issue if it's fixed. So, you know, that's that's just my cynicism coming out about this. But, you know, let's just call it for what it is. There's kind of a little bit of proof to back that up. In the meantime, though, people should be donating to abortion funds. I'll try to link some in the episode description for those who are unaware. If you were in my state of Montana, I suggest donating to the Susan Wickland Fund. Also, if you are in one of these trigger states and you need help, there is a company called Aid Access. They will ship abortion pills to all 50 states. If you are in a state, you know, like currently where you think that you might actually have an issue getting these pills sent to you, uh, you can set up a mail forwarding address in a state where it is currently legal, and then the mail can come to you directly that way in unmarked packages. So. Definitely try to do what you can. Stay safe during this time. Uh, I think the last point that I want to make here is just, you know, don't, don't let Democratic politicians get away with empty rhetoric right now. Do not let them gaslight you into thinking that this is all about just electing more Democrats in November, because that is what they're going to say. And they're going to send you emails and texts begging for donations. Like if you give these people help, if you want to help them, help them, but don't 
let them off the hook. Ask for something in return. DM these people. A lot of them are accessible. Email them. Call them. Like these people are accessible. Tell them what you want in return. Tell them that they need to speak up and actually put pressure on the Biden administration, on the Democrats in the Senate who are keeping progress from actually happening. There aren't that many of them. We need to put pressure on the ones who are obstructing things from happening. We did the work in 2020. We went out and we fundraised for these people. We donated them to them directly. We canvassed. We did all of this through the height of the pandemic with no vaccines. We went out there and we got them elected. So much activism. We gave them our votes. Went down to Georgia and a lot of, and some people did, and they volunteered their time there just to make sure that the Democrats would have control over the Senate. So now they do. They have the House, they have the White House, they have the Senate majority. It's time for them to deliver. It is time for them to show up. They cannot get away with empty platitudes and being, we're better than the Republicans forever. They need to show up. They do have the power right now to codify Roe into law. Do not let them think, do not let them convince you that they do not because they do. Like I've been saying this whole episode, we have two choices in order to protect the access to abortions. We either beg the Republicans for help, which they're not going to give it to us, or we abolish the filibuster. You tell me which avenue we need to go down. If you liked this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, tag independent thought, uh, let people know to come check out this episode if you are enjoying the work. If you are able to, we are accepting uh, donations through our Patreon, the link to which is in our episode description that definitely helps the show continue to function and hopefully grow in the future. It'd be nice if you could have other voices on here besides just mine, which is the plan, hopefully in the future. And last but not least, if you are not already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Turn on notifications so you do not miss the next one, especially if you're on Spotify. Definitely ring that bell because otherwise Spotify just will not let you know that I have a new episode coming out. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. There will be more episodes on the way soon. Sorry that we had to take a kind of like a week off there for a little bit. I had a birthday, so I wanted to take a couple of days off. Thank you for everyone who checked out the episode. See you in the next one.